Welcome to the Songwriter Connection Podcast. Our show originates in Nashville, Tennessee, Music City, USA. We connect you to the songwriters and the stories behind your favorite songs. Join us as we take a look at the craft of songwriting through the eyes of the songwriter. Now, here's your host, Dave Lenahan. Hi, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Dave Lenahan, uh, live in Nashville. You know the story by now, surrounded by songwriters, right? And we're bringing you those great stories. Each one has a great story. Uh, and tonight is no exception. Uh, thank you for joining us on the show. Um, you know, I do a little uh, radio show. It's on two different stations now, one in Northeast Ohio, which is Gold Country, WOBL. And um, the other's in southern, south central Illinois. It's called WNOI, Clay County Country. And it's just, a, it's a, a show about the Nashville news, you know, what the artists are up to and things like that. But I always save the last segment of the show to talk about country music history. And that's really because I am fascinated by it and obsessed with the history, not just country, but all, all types of music, really. And I can't get enough of it. So... It probably isn't surprising to you that um, here moving to Nashville, I took a job as a tour guide at Ryman Auditorium. Um, you can imagine the history that's there. I mean, that building's been around since the late 1800s. The Grand Old Opry was there, uh, and WSM Radio broadcast it live, and it's where country music really became famous. We call it the mother church of country music just for that. And I'll tell you, walking into that building, even to this day, it, you just feel this reverence because it's a sacred place. And when I walk up to the stage, uh, I could actually feel the hair on the back of my neck r- raise up just a little bit. And I always touch the front part of that stage because that front part of the stage is consisting of the boards that used to make up the original Grand Old Opry stage back in the day. And I'd imagine who might have stepped foot on that little piece of country music history. Could it have been Patsy or Hank or Bill Monroe? So many greats played there over the years. And to mention them all, we need a whole nother podcast. So, And I say this for this reason, because today's show, not only do we have a great uh, artist and performer here, but someone who lived that history and uh, at, from a very young age and is probably a walking, talking country music encyclopedia. So this is episode 12 of season one. And again, thank you for joining us. Our, our guest, his dad was an Opry drummer and went on to be on the uh, Hee Haw show for many years. And so uh, our guest grew up around this. He grew up Opry, so to speak. And uh, even at his first, uh, at a very young age, he got a first cut from a major country music artist. And he's going to tell us that story. So, you know, he grew up around the studios at WSM and Castle Recording and Cinderella Sound, which is the oldest independent studio here in Nashville. His name is Trey Ackerman. And we know him in Nashville as an artist, a great singer, a songwriter, a multi-instrumentalist, plays about everything, a producer, a publisher, and a host. See, he hosts the Monday Night Writers Rounds at the world-famous Donaldson Pub, not too far from where I live, and a lot of great talent always there. And he also hosts uh, once a month at uh, a place called Soulshine Waverly, which is uh, a venue at Hurricane Mills. That Hurricane Mills, yeah, the venue is owned by Loretta's daughter, a granddaughter rather, and so Trey is there uh, occasionally and uh, puts a show together there. So we're real excited and happy to have Trey Ackerman as our guest. Trey, thanks for taking the time to be on our show. Good, <laughs> good to see you, brother. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Looking well? Doing yeah, well? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, doing good. Doing good. Surviving the uh, this thing. Yeah. Know? Got my yeah. shots. I feel good. Yeah, I got one of them. Next yeah. one next week. So right on. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting out more and seeing more music. You yes. Know? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to ask you, because I've seen you 
at the pub, pick up bass, uh, even play the drums. Right. Doesn't seem to be an instrument you can't play. Uh, what was your first instrument? It was, uh, first instrument was a chord organ and a little piano. A little uh, piano? Yeah. So mother played piano. And so as a, as a small child, you know, that's, that's who I spent my time with. So that's, that's what I was learning first was piano. And she was teaching me some, some Beethoven and, and Chopin, just the easy stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah, the easy stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then, and dad was a drummer, but I was way too small for that. You know, mm-hmm. uh, my grandmother was a guitar player and my hands were too small for a guitar. Mm-hmm. So as I, and I think I was, you know. For well, how old are you in first grade? Like five, yeah, maybe six, five, five yeah. or six, yeah. something like mm-hmm. that. And then as I got a little bit older, my hands got a little bit bigger. They gave me a little tenor guitar, a little four string guitar, and a tenor banjo, mm. a little four string banjo um, that I could get my hands around and and start you know learning to play those instruments. And uh, <clears throat> and my sister took uh, violin lessons. You know, as we got a little bit older, I think I was. She was third grade, and I was fourth grade, maybe. Mm-hmm. She took violin lessons, and she practiced uh, all semester and for their big show. Um, and they, they did their little show, uh, and they all played their songs. And then I, I went home that night and learned the song that she had spent the last several months wow. learning, you know, on the <laughs> violin. I'd never picked up the violin before, but I thought, oh, that's cool. I'll, I learned that, and boy, did she get mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> so you had that ear, man. You, it was an ear, yeah. Oh, and that's, that's quite lucky. a gift. Yeah. yeah. That's something else. My brother was like that, too. He yeah. he could just hear it and, and play it right away. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. When did you learn to play the guitar? How old was uh, it? You, you know, I started I started 10, I guess, ten or eight, so? 8 or 10, somewhere in there, when I really started in earnest to play the guitar. And your grandma was teaching you? My grandmother was teaching yeah. me. And she was a singer-songwriter oh, and, yeah. and played the guitar, you know. I want to hear all about her. That's a great story, and we're yeah. going to get to that for sure. Yeah. I wanted. Um, uh, there's so much I want to ask you, but I want to hear a song first. Yeah. Uh, why don't we play a song? And we always got to hear the story behind this song. Sure. This is a Songwriter Connection uh, podcast. So uh, play us something. Tell us where it came from. So something I, I wrote as a teenager is, is kind of what I wanted to start you off with to give okay. you an idea where I was okay. or uh, to give you an idea of how my style has changed over time okay you know kind of where I was in the 70s okay um, when I'm by myself and I'm picking guitar you, for me it always starts with music and then and then words start popping out that's my normal method you know um, there's there's other schools of thought around songwriting you know it's mm-hmm. it's hooks and titles right idea uh, you know start yeah. with that or and then, and then develop a story and then let the music follow and, I, and I've tried all those different schools but what seems to usually work for me is just coming out with the music first mm-hmm. and that's the way it was starting out young you know nice so this one I wrote uh, kind of somewhat autobiographical but also somewhat about the, the kid I used to run around with when we were not behaving. <laughs> <laughs> well, this should be interesting. And then, and then a little bit of a little bit of fiction in there too. You know, why not? Why not? So, uh, no top, no song title. I just kind of referred to it as the walking song. But okay. when I play it out, people like it. They really like it, which always surprises me for some reason. <laughs> I guess because it's different. Anyway, kind of goes like this. <laughs> Walked down the store and I ran into the door and I wondered to myself just what it was I'd come in there for. I thought that he was cool, my skipping out of school, but what I didn't know 
He said he was a fool And he needed to clear up his mind But he told me he needed more time A sweet time well, dreaming, appetizing wasn't so surprising Cause he stayed a flying as high as a kite And the munchies always hit him right before we're quitting A quitting, hitting, thudding, dead of the night He liked to sip on booze from wine He said cause it tasted just fine Well, then there came a day that he went away. They sent him away, oh, far, far away, to clean up his act. And then every now and then he comes around and tells me all about his ups and downs and how and how he knows where he's at. And now that he's given up the wine, he knows just exactly what's fine. All the time And he would say Why do I have to go away from you? Why do I have to go away at Great. I love it. Some great progressions in there. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. You know, I often describe you, and um, I don't think any offense would be taken to say that I always say if Willie Nelson could sing, <laughs> he would sound like Trey Ackerman. That's a high compliment. I'll take that. I don't think Willie would be offended because he knows he doesn't sing well. He knows he's got this style, he's, you know. He's a style. Yeah. He's got it, man. Have you heard him do any of these? Uh, he's got two albums out now of Frank Sinatra classics. Yeah, well, sure. They're fantastic. I've watched some of the videos of that, you know, yeah. where he sits in there and he just says, let's do this, let's yeah. do that. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. So let me ask you this. Was he a big influence? He was not a big influence. He was a, you know, he's got some great songs and you can't help but not <clears throat> love some Willie songs and some can't. Waylon songs. And, oh, yeah. And Dad played on a lot of his stuff in the 60s and, you know. When you talk about your dad, you're talking about Willie. Willie Ackerman. Willie Ackerman. Yeah. He he played on like Yesterday's Wine. I think Oh, did he really? Yeah. Great, great. One of my favorite memories from that time is just laying on the floor in a studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, they and they would always give me headphones and mm-hmm. I would just lay on the floor, usually in the drum booth, wow. and watch dad play and just listen to the music, you know, every and just to take in everything they did, all the process, I everything bet. that everybody played, the way they played, um, uh, and um, 
And of course, you know, the room, it was all just super smoky back then. You know, the, it just, <laughs> Everybody smoked. Yeah, the, it was, the ashtrays were spilling over. And they had people whose job was to just keep the ashtrays empty, you know, clean up. But a big part of the job was empty the ashtrays, you know. Mm. And uh, I think Chris Christopherson did that. That yeah. was like one of his early... Yeah, he started off as a janitor, janitor right? Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was empty those ashtrays, man. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I just absorbed, you know. And I remember, if you listen to that song, Me and Paul, yes. it was yesterday's wine album. Just that groove, you know, just that little, really, everybody's holding back. They're just kind of grooving and letting the song breathe Mm. and do what it's, do what the song's supposed to do. Let the singer do what they're supposed to do. And then towards the end, they just kind of kick it up just a little bit of notch, kick in that groove. That just reminds me so much of how it, uh, every day was like that in the studio with these guys, you know, these, these A-team session players that just cut record after record after record. All day long, you know. And it's and something to see. Yeah. These guys, you know, maybe, you know, listen to it and hear the work tape and then get in there and boom. Yes. They've been playing all their life. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I, the first time they play something through, uh-huh. you think that should be the record. What, what's wrong with that? Why? How come <laughs> yeah. they're doing it again? <laughs> well, I got an idea. <laughs> and they're just working on arrangement, you know, yeah. usually. But the, every time they play something, it just seemed like that should that should be the record. And they just play it the very first time, you know. Isn't it so cool? I mean, it had to be quite an experience to watch all that magic happen. Oh, yeah. And you just grew up around that, huh? I, yep. I thought yeah. that was normal because every house we went to and everybody that came over to our house, they that's, you know, they play it was Charlie McCoy or mm. or Wayne Moss or, or uh, uh, you know, Leon Rhodes, wow. you know, just... Um, the greatest of the greatest. Just, you know, the, yeah. the best of the best guys, you yeah. know, just... Yeah. Now, your dad... Gamble. Your dad, drummer, and for years he played with Furlan Husky, but a lot of other people, right? In the very beginning, he played with Furlan. I think that was his first real music job was with, was touring around with Furlan Husky. Wow. Yeah. So was he gone a lot when you, when you were a kid? Or he was gone a lot when we were young. But uh, when when I was growing up, he was doing more studio work. So he was gone, but he was in town, you know. There was a cool story I read about Furlan firing your dad. Oh, yeah. Furlan told me, somebody introduced us, at the musicians musicians union here, local two fifty seven, mm-hmm. and uh, they said, uh, "This is Furlan. This is Willie Ackerman's son." He goes, "Willie Ackerman's son." <laughs> he goes, "Let me tell you a story about your dad." He goes, <laughs> "You know, we he was. Uh, I think I hired him out of high school, wow. uh, junior in high school, um, and uh, we we toured, and um, and a little bit later, you know, I said, Willie, you're you're too good." to do this you should be doing session work you need to be a session drummer studio drummer and dad said no you hired me i'm going to be loyal to you so i fired your dad (laughs) (laughs) fired him for being loyal that's the first fired him for being loyal fired him so he would be a session drummer he said you'll make a lot more money doing that and he did right and he did yeah Yeah. he said he he said he uh doubled his income like eight or nine years in a row you know wow doubled it in year over year just doubled it that's what happens when you're demand. Yeah, and they were making a lot of money back then too, and they were doing some crazy stuff, man. Yeah, yeah. They, wow. They, he had they all. And this is in the '60s. They had these big cars, these big Fleetwood Broms, <laughs> Cadillacs, you know, and uh, they all had cell phones in their car. Oh gosh. I yeah, but in the '60s, <laughs> unreal. Yeah, and wow. uh, yeah, I've got some of Dad's books, uh, his date books, uh, where he would you know 
playing Loretta Lynn's and playing this and playing that, you know, with all these different George Jones, these wow. different sessions that he was doing. And wow. and then he's got a directory of phone numbers and this person's briefcase phone and that person's briefcase phone and their car phone. And, you know, wow. I had no idea. I really <laughs> yeah, didn't know I didn't that it was that prevalent. Yeah. Then, you know, but these, Who'd have thunk it? they yeah. were making money. Now, I want to ask you this, um, in talking about your dad, I remember from Ryman history and, and Opry history, yeah. there was a time that drums were forbidden oh, yeah. on that stage. Yes. So your dad had to be, you know, one of the first, huh? No. He, so, uh, the story goes every now and then on the, on the Opry at the Ryman, mm-hmm. somebody would bring drums in, but it wasn't, but it was just a snare drum. You yeah. Know? Oh, and then they'd and hide it. And then they would, and yeah. it was, it was frowned on, but then it yeah. became more regular and really, uh, I'm told that Chet Atkins was the first to kind of really? somewhat regularly play the snare drum. Huh. Just walk out there with a snare and, and add that, you know, that producer. Because he was a great producer. Oh, uh, yeah. He produced a lot at RCA. Him oh, and yeah. Jerry Reed It really together. helped to develop that whole Nashville sound. Yeah. That, yeah. that uh, yeah. country politan sound. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, after that, uh, Buddy Harmon became the first official staff drummer at the Grand Ole Opry. Uh, late fifties, uh, mm-hmm. and again it was just the snare drum, you know, with brushes, mm-hmm. and um, and then after I think a couple of years, he he was just too busy with session work, so he offered the job to Dad, wow. and so uh, uh, Dad took it on, and again it's just the snare drum. Uh, well, Dad was working with Jerry Reed a lot, and wow. on Friday nights they had what they called the Friday night frolics, yeah, and, for the Friday uh, night opera, and yeah. so uh, with with Jerry Reed, Dad introduced the drum set. Uh, on the Friday Night Frolics as a full-time wow. thing. I'll be. Uh, so the full set of drums, um, yeah, mm. start, starting with Jerry Reed on the Friday Night Frolics. And then, Fascinating. And then, he, and then it just became, you know, a little, a little more rock and roll. It changed, It you know, the style of music was changing and, and what was allowed on stage uh, and what the audience was listening to, you know, what the audience was receptive to, what they were buying tickets to come see and hear. You know, it's it's absolutely amazing to think about this because we always, every generation goes through this, yeah. you know, and today it's happening again. People are saying, well, country is too pop, it's too hip hop, it's, yeah. it's getting away, but it's always been that way. It's yeah. always evolved. It's always Even evolved. back to the day when they added yes. drums, people yeah. were going, oh, that's just not country. Yeah. You, know? you, you know, nowadays we yeah. would think of the Everly Brothers as pretty mm-hmm. country, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, sir. <laughs> <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. No, sir. They were rock and roll. You know? <laughs> they were. Yeah. yeah. Well, how about we play another song? Yeah, I could sure. talk about history okay. all the time, but uh, yeah. it's about your songwriting, too, you know? Yeah, yeah. So. let's do it. All right, so I've got one. Um, this is one I wrote more recently for my wife. Uh, I was traveling a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. I think my record was 18 cities in two weeks. Wow. Yeah, doing something in 18 different... And that's from Sacramento to Boston. That wow. was, you know, cross-country. Uh, so I wrote this kind of an apology song to her called Lonely on the Road, just to acknowledge, to let her know that it wasn't all fun and games for me, and and to acknowledge that that I was leaving her in the lurch a little bit too, you know. On the road, shadows fill my head. On the road There's loneliness ahead 
so many places that it's hard to see the faces of the ones I love. Help me load above on the road. And on the road where I feel the space and time. Gotta make my next arrival I'm gonna fight for our survival Until I get back home But when will I be home From the road And I know It's time To say Crying all alone with angry words for company on the road. On the road, and it's lonely on the road. On the road, lonely on the road. Our guest is Trey Ackerman. This is the Songwriter Connection Podcast, Lonely on the Road, written for your wife. Yeah. Lovely lady. What did she say when she heard that? Uh, she cried a little bit. Yeah. She did. I almost cried a little bit. <laughs> Man, that's a powerful song. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I told her. I wrote you a little song, kind of an apology. I mm. said, I just want you to know, uh, and we've been together 33 years now. Well, wow. And um, I just want you to know, I love you. I appreciate that I've been gone, you know, weeks at a time. Yeah. And uh, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. The secret, Imagine. though, to surviving that is you talk every day. You know, you yeah. find a way to, to connect. Even if you don't really have a whole lot to say, there's nothing going on. I agree. You connect. Mm-hmm. And that way, it doesn't leave the mind to invent, you know, what could have happened or what might have happened or could have, should have, would have, you know. Absolutely. Get, eliminate that. Pick up the phone. I'm, I'm just sitting here trying to wrap my head around 33 years you've been together when she looks like she's like maybe 38. I know. I know. <laughs> you know? 
She's a beautiful. A, she's a doll. She's got good genes, man. <laughs> yes, she does. Absolutely. She tells people she was a child bride. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she was. Then they look at me funny. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, you're a weirdo. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, so many of our guests, we talk about their backgrounds, and they tell me they're from musical families, or they get started in, in church or, or whatever, and it's great. But, I mean, I read about your backstory, and your grandmother was a big influence and really was a star in her own right, huh? She was. She's yeah. got an interesting backstory. She has an interesting backstory. She was a piece of work, man. Yeah? Yeah. When she walked into a room, you she owned the room. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, there wasn't any, any, you know, she used, my mother used to say, every time you turn on, every time you open up the refrigerator and that light hits you, you break out into a song. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Your grandmother, um, what was her name? So she went by a few different names. Uh-huh. You know, this she reinvented maternal- herself a few uh-huh. times, but I think she was most popularly known as Patty White. Patty White. Yeah, Patty White. Tell us her story a little bit. She Texas? She's from uh-huh. uh, Central Texas, uh-huh. you know, uh, Fort Worth. Fort Worth. Yeah. Does it ever cross L- your mind? Yeah. <clears throat> a little, little south of Fort Worth, a little town, a little bitty town called Evant, okay. Texas. Evant, Texas. Yes. Uh, that's a small town, mm. and the, uh, the family moved there uh, just post Civil War. I think they migrated to Texas, uh, and um, so I've got the whole family history, man. I, wow, I got into it. I yeah. really got into it, and um, but yeah. So she she was that her family, her uncles, and they all played something. Wow. So whenever there was a barn dance or or some sort of get together in the you know, early 1900s. Um, it was her. It was her uncles and cousins. They were the entertainment. Well, wow. you know, they were the guitar and the fiddle and the singing and and all that. And and so she grew up around that herself. Uh, and this is my mother's side of the family, right? And um, um, so, she just, you know, um, did really well. You know, uh, big fish in a small pond. Yeah kind of a thing and decided she's going to take it to Nashville. And I thought I read somewhere that when she was doing this before they ever first recorded country music, right? So this is back Yeah, this is before this is A.P. In Carter and the, Yeah, this is in uh, country yeah. western. Country western. Yeah, this yeah. was yeah, this was western. Yeah. Definitely country western. So she's this big fish in a small pond decides to take it to Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. What happened from there? Well, uh so my my mother is in high school, uh-huh. you know, she's high school age, dad's high school age. Okay. Uh, my grandmother is singing. She lives across the street from uh, Jean Pruitt and Jeannie Jack Pruitt. Pruitt. Jeannie and Jack. Yeah, she Jean Pruitt had sheets satin and, sheets. That's yeah. exactly right. And Jack yeah. Pruitt was the guitar player for uh, Out in the West Texas Town of El Paso. Marty. Yeah, Marty. That's Marty, Marty Robbins. Robbins. Wow. And Dad played drums with Marty Robbins on some of his records. I wow. think he played on that song, actually. Did he really? Yeah. Wow. And, and See them tumbling down. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I, I'm trying to remember. It was one of those, both of them, or one of the other of them. I can't remember exactly, but well, anyway, they lived across the street, and uh, um, Nashville's a small they, town. Yeah, they ended <laughs> they ended up introducing mom and dad. Uh, Jack and Jean Pruitt introduced mom and dad, and then they got oh my. they ended up getting married. Wow. And uh, here I am. <laughs> I saw her on the Grand Ole Opry, and Did I you? told her that story, uh-huh. and I said so. 
here I am, you know, just like that, and held my hands up. And she had the biggest look of pride, a Conf- little bit confusion, and then and then it dawned on her, you know, I remember doing this, and, and just a little sense of pride I could see. I remember meeting G. Pruitt at my first uh, uh, trip to Nashville. I was a young DJ at the time, and they sent me to town, and um, just all these people I'm surrounded by. But I remember meeting her at one of the first ones, and... Yeah. Uh, and talking to her and what a, a pleasure it was to yeah, talk to her. Just yeah. great personality. Really? Yeah. Yep. Wonderful person. So my uh, my grandmother was married to a promoter. Okay. And uh, he worked with, the, you know, he was a promoter with the circuses, Barnum and Bailey Circus. Oh, wow. And other ones, you know. So he, they, would, they were these advanced guys that go out and put up all the posters, the billboards, <laughs> uh, on the walls and stuff. And, and again, we're, you know, we're in the 50s and 60s. You mm-hmm. know, this is that era. Right. And... Um, he was also the promoter for Bill Monroe, and my wow. grandmother would tour around with Bill Monroe, and she Did was she his really? opening act. Wow. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, yeah, she'd play, you know, she'd toured with him. She'd, she'd, you know, she'd do Carnegie Hall up in New York. She'd play a lot of great, great Carnegie places, Hall. you know. Wow. And cut some records, and then, uh, uh, and then they ended up getting divorced, and she was like, eh, you know. <laughs> she had money from other, other sources, because she was just a... Uh, she was into buying and selling, and mm. and uh, uh, she was just a. Um, she got to get it done. Yeah, she she was a go getter. She, she did was a, a go getter. And did she start a publishing company? Uh, yeah, she uh, had a publishing company. She had Mesquite Wood Publishing Company uh, that was based out of Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was a she was kind of an she was very entrepreneurial. Oh, wow, that's great. Uh, she owned a couple of restaurants. Woman ahead of her uh, time. Huh? She restaurants. Owned, she owned wow. a water department. Wow! Yeah, in a small town in uh, in South Texas, Amazing. and uh, a couple of RV RV parks. You know, uh, wow! She was an entrepreneur. Entrepreneur, yeah, indeed. Yeah. Wow! And then, um, yeah, she just mm. uh, uh, she wasn't satisfied with just doing music. She had to be doing all these other things at the same time. You know, and she taught you the guitar. She taught me the guitar. Yeah, yeah the, the things that about playing the bass note. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, yeah. You know that that's kind of that uh, using those bass notes and and playing your C G Fs and E's and D's and A's. You know, just your your basic chords. But I mean, how many songs can you make out of three chords? A million, <laughs> you know. Well, they say th- yeah, three chords of the, tr- uh, yeah. the truth. All you need, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, how about another song at this point? Sure. Yeah, let's talk you out another one. Um, Interesting stories. Man. I'm going to go uh, something a little more recent. Okay. Um, sort of my hybrid finger-picking style. You know? Oh, right. Love that. I got a great seat for that. To watch let that. Me, let me tune just to... Yep. I put the capo on, and then I tune. Some people tune, and then they put the capo on, and then they're out of tune. Out of tune again. Yeah. You know Greg Matthews. Oh yeah, love Greg. And uh, this one started out as music mm-hmm. uh, for me, and then uh, as I play through it, words start popping out and ideas and moods, you know, and and then a story starts popping out. And then Greg and I got together, and I pulled this one out of my repertoire or my my library of of bits and pieces, you know. And he just really dug it, and we finished this song. Didn't 
in maybe an hour. Really? It didn't take us long. We finished it. Uh, when you're cooking, it happens yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and it's called Along for the Ride. Oh, I love this song. Yeah. Yes. Behind you, let the blue sky remind you, and the white lines on the highway lead you to a better day. From where you've been to where you're going, lonely. Went to hell in Colorado It's not the path you thought you'd follow Well you were busy making plans Life seemed to pass you by Don't be afraid of letting go Go along for the ride So go ahead and take a chance No hands and no regrets Wind in your hair, it's time to fly And go along Their successes or disasters The destination just don't matter You find the devil in the details It's the journey that's the prize So let your heart be your guide And go along for So go ahead and take a chance No hands and no regrets Wind in your hair, it's time to fly Go along for the ride So go ahead and take a chance Let your heart be your guide Just along for the ride Wow, great song. One of my favorites from Trey Ackerman, our guest on the Songwriter Connection podcast. Thank you for joining us. Man, that is quite a song. And I, I saw recently, because uh, you, you've got a lot of videos on YouTube, and I want to mention folks can go. You've got a YouTube page? 
Uh, yep, it's uh, YouTube Trey Ackerman. Trey Ackerman. Yep. A C K E R M A N M A N T R E Y. T R E Y. Check it out. There's all kinds of great songs and, and cover songs and, and and songs that he's written. But that video I saw you perform at the Bluebird. Oh Cafe yeah, that's right. With a gentleman playing little mandolin. With yes. You. Yeah. Ben Valine. Ben Valine. He's terrific. Now, that guy's a real multi-instrumentalist. I mean, he plays like 20 different instruments. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Classically trained, I think I heard you say. Yes. He's a a professor at Belmont. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He was so good as a student, they made him an adjunct professor. Wow. He's a young guy. He's a young guy. Yeah. He's maybe 22 now. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, that's some talent right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Before you go, a little bit more history, because... I'm thinking about calling this episode Growing Up Hee Haw. Your dad was a drummer on Hee Haw. He was. So you were around that growing up. I was. Yeah. Tell, tell us about that a little bit. That had to been wild. It was wild. It was, a, it was a big deal. And I remember the first time we gathered around the TV to watch that first episode that came on. Yeah. It was very exciting, you know, that he was part of that show. And they used to film it at Channel 5 downtown. It started there. Robertson Parkway. It started there. Yeah. Uh, the musicians, they didn't have enough sound equipment in the in the television studio to, to record a full band yeah. uh, live. Uh, so the band would, all the music was done in the studio. And then they would pantomime. They would, you know, they would <laughs> no, pantomime. The same musicians, yeah. they would just pantomime with what they had recorded a few weeks earlier in the studio. <laughs> no kidding. And then uh, eventually, um, after a few years there, they moved to... Uh, where they are, where they were, yeah. uh, the, the last, what, 15, 18 years that they taped, I guess, which was Studio at the uh, Grand Ole Opry yeah. Studios. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the band played live there. Yeah. Uh, but Dad was the only staff drummer they ever had, so he was on there wow. the full, full run of the show. The whole time. Yep, and I oh. got to be his substitute drummer. You did? Uh, on some days when he couldn't make a call after uh-huh. partying a little uh, a little too late at night, you know, and couldn't make that 7 a.m. call. That didn't that happen to musicians, call. did it? Uh, <laughs> I can't imagine it, that. No. <laughs> so I would go in, and I would play the drums. And, uh-huh. you know, I might be playing with Bill Medley from the Righteous Brothers. Wow. Or, or uh, um, you know, um, Johnny Russell and yeah. and Boxcar Willie. and Boxcar and, Willie. Uh, yeah, and, and different folks, you know, uh-huh. just... So I was on there some in the 80s as, wow. a, as a kid, which was, it's a great story to tell, you know. Yeah. It's a great memory. Wasn't there a story that I read about how you got a gig one time as a drummer on the road? Yeah. Was it come out of that, did it come out of that era at that time? It did. Um, I, I actually, uh, my parents had been divorced for a while. Mother was living in South Texas and dad was still in Nashville. So I was going back and forth. Uh-huh. Uh, summers in, in Nashville. And um, I had come up. And Dad was doing the, it was a Ralph Emery morning show. Yeah. Um, and I accompanied him to that. It's early, you know. you got to get up at like 4 o'clock in the morning to get to that show. Yeah. And, and perform. Morning radio. Yeah. yeah. And there was a guy uh, singing on the show that morning. He came up. Everybody knew Dad, you know. Everybody knew Dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, came up, Willie, I need a, a drummer, man. You, you know anybody? And, and Dad just, <laughs> my son's a drummer. And uh, so, uh, I, I that was the first day I had been in back in Nashville. And, how old uh, are you? Like, I'm me. How am I? How old am I now? Then, then, then how old was I then? Oh, I would have been about twenty two. Twenty two. Okay. Yeah, twenty two yeah. maybe. So I was uh-huh. college in Texas. Okay. Twenty one, twenty two, college in Texas, and, uh-huh. and then uh, playing music up here. And uh, sure enough, man, landed a gig touring. 
uh-huh. uh, with this with this cat as a drummer, and he was a great singer. You yeah, know? Um, he had a little uh, uh, um, trouble with you know record deals and stuff that didn't didn't pan out the way they should. So he didn't become the star that I thought he should have become. Yeah. He he was kind of a Michael Bolton, Travis Tritt mix. Wow. I mean, okay. really good. Soulful kind of. Very soulful. Yeah. Very soulful. And wow. I enjoyed playing the drums behind him. Yeah. Oh, I'm bad. Yep. We could, wow. we, we could do, we had a tight uh, three-piece that we just went all over the place, man. All over the place. And then I, then I, I had a 10-piece band in Texas. So when I was in Texas, I was playing in a 10-piece band. I was playing guitar. I was lead guitar player and one of the singers. And then when I was in Nashville, everybody knew me as a drummer. Mm. So I was playing drums up here. Well, Yeah. Certainly done it. You've done it all. Yeah, yeah. I did. Uh, I remember doing a playing a guitar solo thing, Spanish guitar at a uh, Love Cowboys and Saints halftime show. Really? Yeah, it was cool. That's cool. The acoustics were awful. Yeah, awful. <laughs> it just echoed and echoed and echoed. Yeah. I don't see how people can do that. You I don't know, sing the national anthem in, yeah. you know, in the stadium. They shouldn't. They should not do live music <laughs> no. at a at a halftime show. It should all be recorded, which it probably is now. You know. <laughs> doesn't work yeah yeah well uh i could talk to you all night long about uh about history and things but i really want to hear another song okay uh as we uh, get to the tail end of our show today and uh, i've certainly enjoyed the music and i thank you for being around the dining room table this is kind of our version of the tiny desk concert you know called the uh living room or the dining room table uh show <laughs> here on songwriter connection trey trey ackerman what you got for us this yeah. time all right so the story behind this one is my wife and I were doing genealogy. You know, mm. We got on that Ancestry.com. Love it, yeah. And uh, we found... Uh, um, my, my mother-in-law was also big into it. And, and uh, we discovered my wife's great-great-great-grandmother's arrest record for <laughs> lewd behavior and selling liquor here, <laughs> here in Middle Tennessee. Oh, man. And, and we got to laughing about it. And I said, man, we should write a song about that and she goes let's call it Run Granny Run Run Granny Run <laughs> love it got so, it so we started a song with a title mm-hmm. you know and then and then try to make it sound kind of bluegrassy <laughs> so this is this is Run Granny Run Run In the hills of Tennessee No one could get enough Of her family recipe And the town would bring her sugar Just to help us all get by But those revenuers knew That Granny wasn't making pie So the law made a plan To take old Granny down They throw her in the wagon And then haul her back to town But after years of trying Just to bring old Granny in Well they never brought her running to an end Run, Granny, run Selling all that liquor Before the morning comes She knew it wasn't legal But she didn't give a damn And cooking in the kitchen Never was her daddy's plan With corn and maple sugar both in her recipes, her secrets passed down through the family. Oh, yeah. 
That's fantastic, man. Some licks in that song. Yeah. And all the bass notes that your grandma taught you. Oh, all the bass notes. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Totally enjoyed it. Thank you, brother. Totally enjoyed you on the show today. Thank you for all the great stories and stories behind the songs. Oh, yeah. Pleasure having you. I want to tell you, if you are visiting Nashville from out of town... uh, and you're in town on a Monday night, you got to check out Donaldson Pub and uh, the great talent that uh, Trey has there. And I'm sure you'll see him get up and do a song or two. Right on. I always do, don't you? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Don't miss it. And, of course, if you are here in Nashville and you haven't been there before, shame on you. you got to get there. Hmm. Yeah. Trey, thanks for being on the show. Good Thank to you, have buddy. you here. Thank jo- you. Join us again next time. We're releasing every week now on Tuesday mornings. Thank you for listening to the Songwriter Connection podcast. Find us on social media at Songwriter Connection. Also, listen to Dave Linehan's Nashville Connection radio show. It streams live every Friday morning on WOBL and WNOI. Look for us on Facebook and YouTube. See you next time on Songwriter Connection.